Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. When your child has an autism diagnosis, it can mean many things. It can mean a certain kind of grieving of what might have been possible for your child. It can mean the start of a long process to find the right supports for them. And it can also have an impact on your relationship with your partner. Susan Marden is a senior speech pathologist from One on One Children's Therapy with 30 years experience in autism intervention and working with parents and carers to support their children. And she joins us now in the studio. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm very well, Siobhan. Now, you see a lot of parents trying to help their children. Mm. What kind of impact having a child... What kind of impact does having a child on the spectrum have on a relationship? A huge impact. Uh, Predominantly negative, unfortunately, is what I would have to say. Um, When a child gets a diagnosis of autism, the attention goes on to the child. Naturally, your child's just got a diagnosis of autism. You're immediately thinking, what am I doing? What am I going, where am I going to get therapy? What have I got during the day? So there's a very, very heavy emphasis on what needs to be done for the child in my experience if those parents or partners can take the time in that first couple of months actually to spend some time on themselves on each other potentially go into counseling makes a big difference so is it main i mean what you're describing on a very base level is what happens when a baby comes into the world and exactly. your, and you your focus goes on the kids yeah. except it's not usually grief no. This time it's grief. Grief yeah. and um, also worry. Yeah, yeah. So is that the um, the main thing that you feel helps parents when they go into counselling, that to deal with that grief it's and worry? It's to deal with some of that grieving, without a doubt, and that worry. And with autism and also, to be fair, with many other disabilities, the time investment that has to go into that child is very significant. That whole family changes. And the time that they would have had for themselves and the time that they would have had as a couple, they have, they should prioritise that. But often they don't, and you can understand why they don't prioritise it. They stop going out together as a couple. So go into counselling, I think, but talk to people. Tell people, tell the people that you know well, your friends, your family, use those support networks. Spend time as a couple on non-autism dates. Don't go out and talk about autism. Go away for weekends together. Catch up with your friends. Still go out to dinner parties if you can as well. That's important that some of those things that you did together, you do and you do it outside of autism. When you talked about um, the kind of interventions a child on the spectrum will need, Mm. what I've seen is when it needs to be intensive, it's often um, one parent staying at home doing all that intervention. And the other thing that I've come to believe is that housework and caring for children can become invisible. People Mm. don't, you Mm. don't see it being done, so Mm. you don't understand the effort that goes into it. Can that also be a source of friction? Because I know that, yeah, when it comes to even just chores around the home, you can Mm. get annoyed if someone doesn't appreciate you. Oh, with your husband, with your wife, with your partner, if they haven't done the washing or they haven't tidied up the kitchen, all of those sorts of things. The time factor involved in supporting a child with autism is a hidden the amount of time is hidden. We've got families that I think would spend 
three or four hours a day driving to therapy, being in therapy sessions, which means they're not in home or doing somewhere else, doing something else. So it can add up to 20, 30 hours a week. Then often the parents are given homework to follow through for the speech pathologist, for the occupational therapist, for the psychologist. So somebody then has to put those in there and that often does fall on one parent. Most of our parents, one parent is working or one partner's working, one partner's not working. It's not always the dad who's working. We've got quite a number of families where we now have a stay-at-home dad. But the responsibility falls hugely on that parent's shoulders. And what happens when one parent has to explain to another parent? It's a bit like Chinese whispers. And it often doesn't work. (laughs) So we encourage the partner who works to come in at least once a term, preferably once a month, to a therapy session and preferably a parent training session so that they're getting the version of information without having to go through their partner. It's not on the partner's response. It's not on their shoulders to pass that information on. And that then they get the opportunity to potentially support their child at home their way. Because parents are different. The way the mum or one partner might do it is very different to the way the other partner might do it. And I think that's important. Share the load wherever you can. Do you ever see one half of the couple, if there is a couple with a child who's on the spectrum, do you ever see one half of that couple being in denial? Because I imagine that would make it... Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Where there do you think is that denial comes from? Uh, fear. Absolutely fear. Fear, and it's usually... They will tell you that it's fear about what will happen to their child if people know. I mean, we had one family that hadn't even told their siblings, hadn't even told the the grandparents. And the grandparents looked after this little boy two days a week. They had cottoned on and worked it out themselves. (laughs) Uh, It's their own fear and it's their own worry about it. So they're putting it on to what will happen to the child, but actually it's their own fear. And for the families who were in denial... And I can think of a few families through the years who got through that process and it took a while. They were amazing. The way they changed, the way they supported their child and how they dealt with everything was brilliant after they got through that denial. How do you get a, one of you, if your partner is going through that process, how do you help uh, you, them get to the other side? Usually you're relying on the professionals. Yeah. Okay. But if, you, if you've had a discussion at home and you've expressed concerns, you've potentially... Maybe they won't even go and have the diagnosis. Some families, they won't even go and do that. In that case, that is hard. That's really hard. I think it's um, continually talking about what you're concerned about and if those improvements could happen, how much the child would benefit from it. Go and see a professional and see what they have to say. And I imagine it would be hard for whichever parent is staying at home, whichever parent is dealing Mm. with it more, the one who's embraced the diagnosis and moving forward. Mm. Those people, in what I have experienced, are fierce advocates. Absolutely, yeah. They have to be almost Mm. aggressive Mm -hmm. to get the best thing for their child. So I imagine when you're like that and someone else is kind of going the opposite way, that would cause massive friction. It causes a lot of friction at home because if you're out somewhere, let's say you're out at a meal, a family meal, and the child is having some issues or perhaps behavioural issues or sensory issues, Um, And you've got one parent who will be very open and potentially following through recommendations from professionals and the other parent just wants the child to, let's just take him home or let's just give him an iPad. Then the whole table's in friction. And it's not just the couple. It then extends. It extends to the other children. It extends to some friction at school or at at preschool. 
But to be fair, some families do take some time to come around, but they can become amazing advocates. So it seems to me that if you can give yourself the time to support your relationship, that's a really good idea. Are there places where they're specialised in supporting um, couples or families who have a child on the spectrum? Oh, not particularly off the top of my head. I mean, certainly there are counsellors and psychologists that will support it. As for a centre, and you're actually making a very good point, and it's not just couples, support siblings, because support the family. Mm. Not off the top of my head, there isn't any specialised centre, but I think there's a lot of need for it. If you, it's my experience, and we're not, doesn't matter what level of disability the child with autism may have, if the couple is a good cohesive couple and are working on it together, even if one person is working full time and the other person isn't, those children actually do better than any other children. We've got other families that will do hours and hours of therapy, but if it's not a cohesive couple, the effect isn't as good. So mm. put it, spending money, and even <clears throat> in the NDIS funding, spending money on the couple and supporting the family, I think would reap huge benefits, but that's not part of the NDIS at the moment. But maybe something parents can think of. Oh, it would be amazing. It. Yeah. It, yeah, it would be amazing. Mm. Susan, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. That was Susan Martin. She's a senior speech pathologist from One-on-One Children's Therapy. And to find out more about Susan and the work she does, just head to our website. That's kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.